We briefly regained our freedom, Brian, when a when a brave judge ended the mask oh. mandates, and we were once again free. And I think Biden extended them again, and now tyranny once more. Oh, really? He just put them right back? I don't know. I don't, I just I literally, as I was signing into our you know the begin this podcast, I just got an alert popped up on my phone. So maybe I you know who knows how accurately I read it, but just there's just generally a mask fight still. Yeah, I'm so sick of masks. I'm, I'm, I'm not wearing them really as much as talking about them. But I, uh, to me, it's like whether they should be there or not. I find it so strange that like one conservative federal judge like can just end a policy that's been going on for like two years just because he he thinks so. You know, like what a system we have of like some guy was like, nope, that's not allowed. It's like who? Right. <laughs> a federal judge in Florida. In Florida, did it? Who none of us have ever heard of, you right. know, ended a potentially critical policy, whether you agree with it or not. Right, just seems baffling to me. <laughs> That's so true. I didn't even think about that. Right. Yeah. And like I don't know. That's definitely it's an appointee. It's not even an elected official. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's an unelected, unaccountable human being who gets to decide that no, we're not allowed to do that. <laughs> right. Like okay. For how I many people? That. 300 million of us? Right, right. Whether yeah. we think that they should exist or not, I don't know. I don't really care. I'm wearing my mask on the plane probably for a good long while. Might be years before I get on a plane and I don't put a mask. I don't know. I don't care. You think I'm crazy? Fine. Good for a- you. Actually, <laughs> Danny Cannell tweeted something today where, you know, I, he said something like, why, why do people pretend like ending the mandate prevents you from wearing a mask if you want to wear a mask wear a mask it's just that the mandate no one's being forced to do something they don't want to do now it's like first of all people are forced to do things they don't want to do all the time okay but it's also it's it's just like the yes i agree people are still free to wear masks but if you think that there's people out there that aren't going to be giving you a hard time for wearing a mask still you're crazy like right. only the other side antagonizes other people. Also, the masks work best when everybody's. If I have it on, it actually doesn't do me. I mean, if I have a good mask, it it still works pretty well. But the way masks work is everybody's got to wear them. That's how they're effective. Like right. they drop uh, precipitously. If if two people, one of them has one on and one of them doesn't. They work, they're far less effective. So it's not about individual risks. That's like the whole thing that is so maddening. Your individual risks are very low right now and have been for years, ever since the vaccines came out. The collective risk, unfortunately, is still quite high because a lot of people still get it and and die. Um, And that's the whole rigmarole is like, yeah, you can safely make the choice that you can go do all of these different things and your individual risk is low. And that's totally right. The problem is the societal risk is still quite high and, and people are dying in very large numbers. Like, I I don't know what it was today. I I don't know how many deaths, I guess I know it's definitely gone way down, but I mean, it's so much for love thy neighbor, right? Under no point has it ever been like, 
actually acceptably low. Right. <laughs> like, I, I guess and we're in the, we're, we're down to the hundreds, so that's nice. Like the current seven day average is four seventy one. Like that's a lot, you know. Right. <laughs> like it get it's gotten up at peaks to you know three or four thousand, which is certainly much worse. But you know. <laughs> Right, it's obviously it's a four hundred a day. Uh, you know, times three sixty five. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's just that's a decent chunk of folks still just kicking the bucket. Let's well, see. heart disease kills more people, Brian. Why don't you care about heart disease? Right, right. Well, if all you had to do to cure heart disease was wear a freaking mask in the airport, <laughs> right. Right. yeah, everyone would do it. Right. I just even look full disclosure. I don't wear a mask. I work in a public school in Brooklyn. We have no mask mandate. I'm vaccinated. I don't wear one. But the idea, like, if the rule came back that I had to start wearing it again, it would. I certainly wouldn't consider it an attack on my freedom or right. my rights. I would be like, "Oh man, that sucks," and then I would start to wear it. Like, does that make me a sheep or just like? a normal person who can tolerate the existence of rules sometimes. Yeah. I mean, and I think there's plenty of places where it is totally appropriate where they've removed mandates. Like I think airplanes and airports where millions of people are mixing together and traveling to new locales. That to me still seems like, like maybe it's, I mean, it's fine if they, if they decided to remove it, that'd be, it may be okay. Um, but it doesn't seem insane to me of all places, public air travel, you know, feels like still a pretty decent one as far as trying to control this thing from spreading to other parts of the country, you know, places where it's high, going to places where it's low. Like that doesn't seem insane that when everybody's in the airport, um, you know, look, at some point we are going to have to like completely get rid of this stuff. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I just whatever. I'm so sick of it. Um, I just hate everybody. <laughs> I know. I do hate everybody. But let's not forget that it's just like one dude turned this into hostility against all solutions. I know. It's so true. Like, it is like we on. should all like Donald Trump should be forced to he, he should just be like he should be chained into a public square where we all get to throw food at him <laughs> 24 hours a day. That should be, and he should be kept alive and we get, and everybody gets, it's like, it is, I don't care what anyone says. This is all his fault. Absolutely. Thing, I blame him 100% for all of coronavirus. Every single death is his fault. I don't <laughs> care what anybody says. And I know, yes, there was no way to prevent 100% of the deaths. They're still all his fault. No, like, and, yeah. The I whole think... thing is his fault. <laughs> <laughs> I completely understand what you're saying. And, and it's, which is also to say it's not like a simple matter of, you know, he turned left when he should have turned right. Or like, you know, it wasn't like a simple mistake or a, a decision that went wrong or it seemed obvious and he did. Like he was actively hostile towards yes. solving the problem. Anything. In it's every way. Made a wrong decision here or there that actually was pretty consequential. It's that he actively sought to make it worse and succeeded relentlessly at it. That's right. why it's all his fault. 
Right. It's that simple, too. It's like yeah. he's the villain of COVID. He, it, you know, every everyone's made mistakes. Lots. Of, it's not. It's not a hundred percent his fault, but accountability should land one hundred percent on him. He should be flogged. He should have things thrown at him. He, if there was like you know a firing squad, that would not be. That would not be too harsh. Like he deserves one hundred percent of the accountability. He is the single biggest figure of failure the number one point of failure he handled it couldn't have done worse (laughs) like and it's sometimes things everyone wants to make it more complicated oh the health messaging wasn't no the problem was we had the world's biggest asshole (laughs) in a crucial position it's like everything it's like we try to make stuff more complicated when it's simple you know it's like it's like the way that like racism explains like 98% 98% of all of our politics and yet we all are, insist that that's not true and that's crazy. It's like <laughs> shut up. <laughs> of course it is. And it's like this, Trump is 98 8.7% of the covid story and everybody else can shut the hell up. Uh, absolutely. I was listening to um you know that guy for the Atlantic, Derek Thompson. He has yes. a podcast with the Ringer. I can't remember what the title of it is, but so he interviewed this Republican pollster who's like, you know, our age, she's a woman, um, you know, she's not like older or whatever. They had some interesting things to say about like older voters and older people in general. But, you know, he asked her, what do what do Democrats or what do like big city liberals like me misunderstand about the right? And her answer was that you know, the average Republican voter actually doesn't spend a whole lot of time thinking about Donald Trump and the left is way too obsessed with him or more obsessed with him or, you know, whatever. And I've heard that before. And I just reject that entirely. What are you talking about? Like, he was president of the United States. You know what I mean? Like, they act like, oh, he's just some fringe figure. Like, the average Republican doesn't really, like, if he was on the ballot again, they'd probably vote for him. But like, (laughs) and no, she said, that too she said it She's like, oh my god like, no i mean if he's on the ballot and you know come 2024 they're gonna vote for him but they don't spend time thinking about him like, well think about him <laughs> think about it That's really think about it because it's madness and you're lunatics and right. we should be we should we should be yelling at you 24 <laughs> hours a day about it we should never shut up about him we should <laughs> rig him around your stupid necks till the end of time we should be talking about him 50 years from now remember that time you freaking lunatics made donald trump the president <laughs> Right. never do that again we should talk about nothing else we have all underreacted to the fact that donald trump was the president it is lunacy it is absurdity we yeah. should do nothing but yell we should go i should be able to walk the streets i should be able to knock on any republican's door anytime i want and go up to them and be like this is crazy you're crazy you're an idiot you're a lunatic you're out of your goddamn mind what the hell's the matter with you this is ridiculous <laughs> It's a joke. Donald Trump. Screw you. Think about it. It's insanity. I remember, like, you know, it's funny, too. There is a thing about Donald Trump, too, that I think New Yorkers, at least, not enough of them, certainly. But, like, you know, some some guys I used to work with are, like, hardcore Republicans. All of them. And, you know, we would argue pretty fearsomely, like in earlier years back when Obama was president and even I was like a little nervous. Like I thought, Oh God, these guys are just dying. The world Trump guys have got to be. And they weren't at all. And it was because they're New Yorkers. (laughs) Like basically like 
we this guy's from here. We know we know this guy. Like, yeah, yeah. We know what he is. You know, but like that's but you're either way. You're 100 percent right. Like you guys have to own that. Like I think part of the problem is too is it's like we don't want to. Nobody wants to have their own mistakes shoved in their faces. You know, <laughs> but like yeah. nobody wants to have to answer for their grave, <laughs> ghastly errors. But. This is terrible. You guys elected Donald the Apprentice. You right. elected that guy. You're absurd. It's and it's because he like wears a suit and like is a businessman that people are like, well, it's not totally ridiculous. No, it's like you might as well have made like Mr. T the president. It's not any Mr. T being right. the president is no less ridiculous. Correct. Like you are ridiculous. The right. fact or Hulk Hogan or Right. Like, Hulk anybody. Hogan. Why not Hulk Hogan? Right, He's why not? just as smart. He's just as successful. Like, <laughs> might even be a better guy. He'd like, probably be better at president. Yeah. I would I would vote if it was, if it came down to Hulk Hogan versus Donald Trump. Hulk Hogan, no doubt about it, it gets my vote. Like, right. you're, it's, it's really, it really, it's, I don't know. It's almost underreacted to it. Even though I know it, the world flipped out. There was, the media went crazy. So many people were obsessed with Donald Trump. Like, it, it's it's insanity. It's a joke. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. I can't right. believe we lived through it. It's just like, what? I know. We're lucky that coronavirus was basically the worst thing. Right. We're, I mean, it's, everything could have gone terribly, terribly wrong. <laughs> so many things right. could have gone so horribly wrong. It's just the roll of the dice that it was will never cease to amaze me on a, on a global scale. <laughs> right. Like, I oh, just, God. I don't know. It's God almighty. And, and we're not out of the woods yet. You know, the Donald right, Trump era win. is not over. He's, we're not done with him. It's, uh, it's far from over. The battle has been won, but the war is still very much in dispute. Yep, for sure. Absolutely. All right, Brian, let's cleanse ourselves. Right, well, that was that fun. Was, that was fun. That was, that was a lot. Oh, good. Uh, let's, let's talk about something that gets people just as worked up. Well, you know future. what else? Before we do, I'm looking at myself as a bald man in this view. <laughs> that's really, maybe that's what I really hate about Trump, that he's just another phony, another man who just won't accept his bald fate. And... <laughs> Why do I have to just go out in the world and deal oh, with this? Have we discussed his hole in one? No. On this podcast anyway? No. Because I know you were not happy with that. Right. What, what was this? The, 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 he put out a statement about his glorious hole in one that was just what, like right out of like North Korea. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hold on. I, I'm going to pull it up because <laughs> I just, I put in Donald Trump hole in one and it's, Donald Trump hole-in-one letter, announcement, tweet, official statement, oh press release. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Hold on. Uh, Donald Trump. Uh, yep. Okay. Let's see. Let's get to the statement here. All right. Uh, what the hell? Give me the thing here. There's a picture of him. Hold on. This is riveting radio. All right. Here we go. How does he uh, have a hole in one and I never have had a hole in one? Just outrageous. Yeah. Is that have how close have you ever been? You know, not even that close. 
like I've hit good shots in the par threes, but I've never even had like a lip out or like, you know, within an inch or something like not even a real close call. Not like I've never stood on a par three tee and like thought it was going in. Right. Okay. So it's just, it hasn't even been close. Not really. You know, I mean, like, like, uh, but you know, never like a real close call. Okay. All right. That's said. And then that just, it's hard. I mean, but it's, it is purely, it's very, can be very fluky. Like some people skull one in there and get a hole in one hits the pin. Like, um, you know, I should mention, I should preface for the listening audience that I am a pretty good golfer. Yes. Um, and I've hit, you know, many a fine approach into a par three, but to, to, you know, in the hole is is tough. (laughs) (laughs) It's a small ball and a small hole. (laughs) Right. No, it's really hard. And it does. It seems so much more about luck than skill because it's, it's not skill. Like Tiger Woods would have like a hundred of them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And Tiger Woods once went, you know, I think over a decade without a hole in one on the PGA tour. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not surprising at yeah. all. Which tells you all you really need to know. Yeah. All right. Best so, iron player of all time. So, here it is. Many people are asking, so I'll give it to you now. It is 100% true. It Many took place. Are asking. <laughs> I'm going to think they don't <laughs> know about The whole world had, like, been hearing the whispers about the, the hole-in-one. And, like, you know, <laughs> we've all been. Do you hear about the hole-in-one? Trump had it. Yeah, I heard about it. <laughs> it is 100% true. It took place at Trump International Gold Club in West Palm Beach, Florida, on the seventh hole, which was playing 181 yards into a slight wind. I hit a five iron, which sailed magnificently into a rather strong wind, with approximately five feet of cut, whereupon it bounced twice. (laughs) (laughs) Five feet of cut. Oh, God. And then went clank into the hole. Right. Uh... Let me see. He has uh okay. He was so he was there uh with uh Ernie Els, Gene Sowers, Ken Duke, and Mike Goods. And he says, These great tour players noticed it before I did because their eyes are slightly better. But on that one hole their swings weren't. Oh my god. Anyway, there's a lot of chatter about it. Quite exciting, and people everywhere seem to be asking for the facts. Playing with (laughs) people everywhere. Everywhere, all across the globe. They want to know about the facts. Tell us the truth. Playing with that group of wonderful, talented players was a lot of fun. The match was Ernie and me, parentheses with no strokes, against Gene, Mike, and Ken. Oh, my God. With no strokes. I won't tell you who won because I'm a very modest individual and you will then say I was bragging and I don't like people who brag. That's it. I will say one thing to Trump in Trump's is that he is funny. You know? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. He is funny. He is funny. Right. And Ken Duke's my guy. I played with Ken Duke. Oh, that's right. Me and Trump have that in common. Yeah. Wow. You know, I guess I'll give to the Trumpers that they're like, enjoyment of trump's good golf playing is a little like the way obama's basketball was sort of like (laughs) celebrated by a certain type of liberal you know i feel like we we watched him sink a three-pointer and it's like he looked sort of cool out there right but still fuck them 
<laughs> I mean, not only that, we saw Obama drain multiple threes. Right, right. Knowing he was on camera, those were pressure situations. Like, right. I've never seen Trump do anything but look fat in golf clothes. Right. It looked grotesque in golf yeah. clothes. And cheat openly all over the place. Right. In everything he does. Yeah. 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 What a disgraceful person. Yep. All right, Brian. Speaking of, well, I won't go so far as to say disgraceful people. Right. What Curious characters. Well, right. Right. Individuals who may be funny, <laughs> but I don't really know what their deal is. What is World Wide West doing in Dallas? What is he doing in Dallas and on whose behalf? Like, does this guy work for the Knicks or like what? And is he like a employee of Leon Rose or a rogue figure? Like, does he seems to have his own agenda, you know? Yeah, I would love it if we could just get like one of those YouTube Knicks like features about a day in the light, a day in the office for World Wide West. Look, what's he doing? What's he up to there? Even forget Dallas. We don't have to go with him to Dallas. On a day-to-day basis, what's World Wide West? What's on his agenda? I know, but like who sent him there and for what purpose? Like what purpose do the Knicks have in being present there? Like they don't need to scout these players. Like they know Donovan Mitchell. They know Jalen Brunson. Like there's nothing to be gained from seeing them in person. And they're not even allowed to go talk to them or like lobby them in any way. Right. So there can be nothing gained other than to be seen there and to sort of begin this percolating conversation around what the Knicks are going to do. And then the fact that Julius Randall is there, what is that meant to convey? Is he in, Sorry, we had a, a couple technical difficulties there. So we're back, Brian. You were just getting to what on earth was Julius Randle doing there? Right. Well, like I can't, I can't figure out at all what the like the Knicks' relationship with Julius Randle right now. Like you know, like the fact that he's there, there seems to be this unhappiness. He's he's on un, he's unhappy, you know. But then, or are, are is he like in the club, you know, and actually? He and World Wide West are boys, and right. he's Leon Rose's client of his, and they're totally committed to him, and it's all about like getting him the players he wants around. You know what I mean? Like how much power he has in the Knicks organization, I can't tell at all. Like, or is he about to get dealt, and he's there because maybe that's where he wants to go, and 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 he's. You know, they're having those kind of conversations about like a trade for Randall to Dallas. And and maybe they're already talking about maybe they were meeting with Mark Cuban. And I don't know. Are they allowed to do that? Like, can they meet with Mark Cuban and talk about a trade like that? Right. I mean, and and I not even I assume. Do you mean are they allowed to do that within league rules or are they allowed to do that? As in, has Leon Rose said, Wes, you are allowed to go do that. Well, both, but like, is that even, I guess the teams can discuss a trade like that. Right. But like the Knicks can't approach Jalen Brunson. Right. That's the no-no. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know what to make of it. It's just, it's super weird. Right. And of all the guys to have down there, (laughs) just the right, the guy with the most mystery doing the most mysterious thing. 
Right. Like, was it a flex? Do you like, was it some sort of like intimidation move at Mark Cuban? Like, I don't, what? I guess, but. What was it? Who is, who's he signaling to that the Knicks, like, because sometimes I think he's like, he clearly is lobbying Dolan sometimes. Like, he seems, which I think is probably wise. Like, he seems to go, like, talk to Dolan. Like, we're going to go get Donovan Mitchell and Tibbs yeah. is going to go. But then it's like, Leon Rose seems really committed to Tibbs. And, right. You know, you definitely seem, it definitely seems like Worldwide West is the source of all these, like, there were those in the Knicks front office who weren't <laughs> happy with Tibbs. Yeah. And then Leon Rose seems to always be the one who's like the source of they're not getting rid of him though. And then he was pretty adamant about it at the end of the year. Like, so I don't, I don't get, I don't totally understand his role. And I certainly have no clue of what the Knicks are about to do. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, yeah. And the visit doesn't inspire any confidence. It's just like, what are you guys doing? What are you doing? What, what is this about? Right. Especially because we're not in the first round and just it's like this weird way of like making our presence felt. I don't know. Like, It's also like, do you, I mean, do you think it's like a weird, like almost like World Wide West and Randall, you know, because I, I wonder too, and, and it's scary to think that Randall has like influence within the front office too, that they treat him like, yeah, you know, God, they might I want though. That. They yeah. might, but I also wonder, could this be like a World Wide West and Randall or almost like that time when Job and Tobias teamed up for some sort of investment they were trying to get out of Michael? Like, you know, one of them hatches plan like, oh, Leon and Tibbs, they think that they're going to box us out. Let's go down to Dallas. Right. Like, let's apply some pressure. We'll get right. the, the post will be on it and then we'll get some headlines and things will happen. What should but we do when we're what? in Dallas? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but we're gonna go there. <laughs> yeah, is that well? Who is there? There's a third person there, right? Alan Houston. <laughs> yeah, I think Alan Houston was like George Michael. <laughs> Just right. like, okay. Like, why am I, I like here? Dallas? Right. Like, <laughs> right, and who told him to go? Right, like Dolan, Leon Rose. Right. I don't. I don't was get he sent Scott to babysit the other two? Fig- right. Yeah. Is he still a figure? Like He's in somewhere in the mix. He's in the mix, but yeah. what's his role? Yeah. What madness. What? <laughs> the more you think about it, the weirder it gets. I honestly can't believe it's not a bigger story. Uh, me too. Like, what were they doing there? <laughs> what were they doing? <laughs> what was it meant to signal? Right, or even if they were trying to signal nothing, what was the objective? What did you do? What were you looking to achieve, you three? Right, what was achieved? What did they do? Right. Who did they talk to? Yeah, what What was that about? Was it just, we want to see these guys in person? Like, For is what? that necessary? You yeah. them. <laughs> no, I mean, right. Like, there's plenty of chances to scout those guys. <laughs> Right, so that's bananas. But let's start. What could they be there for? Is it to look at Jalen Brunson and uh, Donovan Mitchell? <laughs> like, I guess. I mean, I, those are. I mean, the, those are two big targets, right? Those are definitely the two guys that it sounds like the Knicks have their eye on for this, you know, point guard of the future position. Um, I mean, either one would be a great addition. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. 
I, don't I know. guess. Do you think it's possible that those three were down there to apply pressure to actually both Dallas and Utah in the hopes that we don't have to give up the farm to get who we need? I don't know. Maybe it was to like, yeah, make Utah nervous right. that this guy wants out of there and we know it and you know it. Yeah. So here we are applying pressure. I don't <laughs> right. know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But they don't have to do anything, you know, like they don't have to trade him. Um, right. I don't know what I want the Knicks to do. I really, I, we stand at the precipice of major decisions. Yeah. And I really have no idea what I actually hope they do this off season. I think, I think I'm right now. I'm just feeling bad on the young guys. Me too. I mean, I know what I hope they do. I hope they draft a guy with that pick. And I agree. Turn it up and trade Randall for like a nice player, a pick and an expiring contract or something. Like I don't even want to get that much for him. Like if we have to attach something to get rid of him, like I would do that, you know, like, and then turn it over. Let me, let's turn it over. Let quickly and RJ and Obi, let's see what they can do. Let's see if we have something here. That's what I, I want them to do. I will say, though, that I don't know for sure that that's actually the right thing to do. Like, I think it's very possible we as fans are overrating all three of those guys. I think that's probably true. I just think that it's like when you talk about the right thing to do, like, is it better? What if, I don't know exactly what we'd have to get, give up to get Donovan Mitchell, but presumably you would think at least two of the three RJ OB, OB and quickly, right? Y- yes. So we do that. We get rid of two of those guys. They go to Utah and then they're like, fine. And Utah is fine. And we get Mitchell and it's basically the sequel to the Carmelo Anthony era where we get this star player who's fun to watch and exciting and makes us good, but we also had to give up all the players we were enjoying and to constantly have this weird mishmash of guys coming in to play with Mitchell that we don't feel super connected to and we're a good team, but not a great team. And, you know, it's just like not as fun. Even if you're like slightly better, and does that make the trade or doing going that path right, or does it just make it like marginally more successful and thus justifiable, but nobody enjoyed it at all? Yeah, I mean, I hear you. I mean, that's totally what I think. Like, right? Yeah. So you're you're sending out quickly an Obi. Daniel quickly is my favorite Nick right now, but I think I, I you know, can it confess that I might be totally overrating him. Um. But you're trading him and Obi and a bunch of picks. But let's say let's say you did let's say that's the deal. So you keep RJ. And it's Mitchell, RJ, Randall. And then you probably have to like re-sign Mitchell Robinson or find a cheap option. Yeah. You know, you're betting heavy on Randall and and RJ, but that's a pretty talented team. You're right. It is. Now you yeah. got Fournier. That starting lineup is Donovan Mitchell, R.J. Barrett, Evan Fournier, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson. It's a pretty good team. It is. 
It is a pretty good team. Is it like like that team? I'm trying to think about how I want to ask the question, right? Like it's how much better are they? You know what I mean? They're better. They're a playoff team, right? So they're they're better, right? But if we have, you know, RJ, OB, quickly, and then Jalen Brunson and Randall's gone somehow, are we a playoff team then? Like That's a fun team. Right. I mean, that's a fun team. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like how much better you know maybe like that team can get the seven seed and the other team can get the five or the four and is that worth the lost affection love i hear you i don't know yeah i say no i say it's not to me yeah yeah i think i'm old enough i've been around long enough i know i know what it's like i saw this movie before with carmelo you know and i was there first night we were all there mellow mellow but i don't want to see that again yeah yeah i mean i look it's even like look there's championship teams that mean more you know what i mean that don't mean that much and in fact like what's interesting is like you look at like lebron's career and like without that um calves title he has like the three like i i know miami heat fans like they don't, those titles were fun. They like that team. They don't like, they don't feel like, you know, the way you and I feel about like Eli Manning. Right. For LeBron James, you know, like I guarantee right. you Golden State fans are like Durant, you know, Yep. Whatever. That was cool. They don't love him. <laughs> no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Like they love Andre Iguodala in Golden State way more than they love Kevin Durant yeah. and they loved and Draymond Green will always be way more celebrated in Golden State than Kevin Durant. Like there's championship teams that don't mean that much to the cities where they played. Right. Or the pieces of it like you're right, you know, like that team LeBron, LeBron doesn't mean to Miami fans. Like the I would say that the 2014 Ohio State football national title the title and the team and Cardale Jones mean a lot to me. Urban Meyer means nothing to me. I was delighted right. by all his downfall because he was also a mercenary who just came in and I know he's from Ohio, whatever. He went to Cincinnati. Yeah. I mean, we think the championship solves everything and makes is, is all, I mean, look, I would love to win a championship. So don't right. get me wrong. And again, I think that's sort of the point is like, if this, if you told me we make that trade and that's a championship team, all right. Especially because Donovan Mitchell's a young guy, we'd have him a long time. Like you'd fall in love with him; he's a really great player. Yeah. Um, but it does feel like the Knicks. There's a chance it's this special thing that they could really build here. I would like to see them try it. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know which way they're going to go. Like, I think Rand- I still think there's a pretty good chance Randall's on the team next year. <laughs> I know. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how they feel about him at all. Me either. I know. How, what, right. Why was he on that trip? What was he doing there? Right, right. I don't get it. I know. How could they like him? He seemed like such a dick. Yeah. And then Obi, when he finally got his shot, like, it's, it's just like, if Obi had played, like, 
the first few games Obi got in there, you know, where he had like 18 points and whatever, which is kind of what I expected out of him. And like, you were like, okay, he played pretty well, but like they weren't even doing that great. And then he just exploded the last week. Yeah. Where now you're like, whoa, we saw too much. You know, yeah, like how yeah. do we how do we turn that like you're telling me I don't get this opening night? Like right. there'd be a lot of juice to that oh trio in the starting lineup opening night next year. Yeah. Especially with a decent draft pick. Um I don't know. I don't know. Or you know, or Jalen Brunson. I don't know if we're gonna get him. That seems like a tough road, but like I would be okay. I would be fine with that yeah that would be great and then you quickly could still be the guy off the bench like this microwave off the bench guy um that would be pretty cool what do you think they do with derrick rose is he gonna be on the team next year so what his you know i i it, i think that might depend more on rose right like right can he just be in the taj gibson role <laughs> would he accept that <laughs> we just keep no ta- way no <laughs> he wants to play right but even if, if he does, I would love for him to be here, you know? Like, I think he'd will he'd be willing... Well, you know, I don't know. I always feel stupid then to say this, but, like... Do you think he would take a Tibbs discount? Not a New York discount, but a Tibbs discount. And, like, a, a reasonable one, not, like, the minimum or whatever, but... Well, he's signed, though. So he's... Un- they got... He's got to oh, be here. Oh, oh. It's just, like, do they... They might deal him, because, like... What's... If they got Jalen Brunson... Do you want to put quickly back off the ball and have Derrick Rose be the backup point guard? Maybe, but I don't know. I kind of like now we've seen quickly. Yeah, right. <laughs> with the ball in his hands, like I don't know if I want to take it out of his hands when he's in the game. Yeah. No, you're right. Who else could? Who could we get for Randall? I don't know. I, there's some teams, you know, like you really think about it, right? Like there's some teams. Like a Sacramento, someone like that, would they be interested? Um, they need some credibility. Portland, could they be looking at like how do we get somebody in here that can like pair with Damian Lillard? Who did they get um, back from New Orleans again? For uh They got Josh Hart. Okay. He'd be a nice player to get back. Yeah. Like watching the Sixers. I'm thinking, like, shouldn't Randall be somebody's Tobias Harris? Right, exactly. Yeah. Right. And right, I think Portland, yeah, that Portland would be a good spot for him. Right, and then again, we don't need that much for him, you know? Right. Because like, I don't think, I do think it's like we want to get rid of him a little bit. Right. So maybe it's like a Josh Hart and some whatever. Maybe take back a bad contract of theirs. Like, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know what the answer is. I will say, though, I still believe in Leon Rose. I think it is kind of bullshit that he doesn't talk to the media more because everybody has parts of their job they don't like. But, look, I think that whatever the chaos that World Wide West might cause or he's the source of these stories or whatever, it doesn't seem to, like, affect, affect anything. Yeah, affect anything. Like, Tibbs is still in place, you know, we still have. I was reading Bobby Marks wrote about us at, on ESPN today, and I was reading it, and like, it's basically he doesn't seem to know what's going to happen either. But he's like, if anything, the Knicks have plenty of flexibility. Like they don't necessarily have cap space, but they have a lot of desirable contracts. Randall's isn't even that bad. It's not even within the top fifty of earners next year. Like it's not, you know, 
just basically like the Knicks can kind of do whatever's available to them to do. And just being in that spot shows that I think, you know, even though Kemba didn't work out and somehow Randall didn't work out, we're still in a good spot. So these guys clearly know what they're doing. Like Leon Rose, I think is, I'd like to yeah, know. His I don't think they more. had a terrible off season last year. I still, I like disagree yeah. with that. Like me too. I think they took, they took under, they took ju- totally justified risks. And I totally agree. The team's still flexibility and they've hit on every young player that they've drafted. Yep. Um, has worked out. Like they clearly have a good eye for talent. Um, I agree. I don't care that he doesn't talk. I can't decide actually, actually, if I, if I think that's great or bad, you know, like part of me thinks it's wonderful. Like, it's just like, I love how much it drives the media crazy. And as long as he does a good job, I'm fine with it. At a certain point it, it does. It's a little weird. And then when he did do that one interview with, um, MSG, he's like pretty awkward. He's not what you would expect. You know, he's got like a, a strange personality. Like I think part of it is like he's not particularly good at it, you know. Right. Yeah. Maybe that, maybe that's really all it is. Right? <laughs> and, and it's weird. You'd think like an agent would be like, yeah, amazing at it, and he doesn't. He doesn't seem that comfortable with it. Right. That's true. Which is strange. Tommy Beer, my buddy, had a tweet today about you know Jalen Brunson scored forty one last night or whatever, and it's like imagine you know. He comes to New York and is told he's coming off the bench for Alec Burks. Like, what planet are you on? I used well, to respect that him. Right, 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 right. As though we had that. As though we had Jalen Brunson sitting on the bench right. in favor of Alec Burks. As though, like, right, we had that. And Tibbs was just like foolishly not like like <laughs> Deuce McBride is Alec Burks. Right. Like, no, I mean, uh, is Jalen Brunson? Like, right. no, he isn't. No, he's not. Like Deuce McBride shot like twenty nine percent from the floor, and I like him. I have no problem with him. He's a good right. prospect. It's not. He's not. In, there's no hurry to get him big minutes. Like yeah, Nick's Twitter makes me hate players. So this. Oh, this is another thing we should talk about. Is uh, what did Colin Cowherd say? Oh, about Mitch Trubisky. What did he say? Oh, he was just pointing out that like he. he he was saying this in reference to the to Jordan Love that the Packers should trade him soon because the more people, the, when people don't see a player, they, right. they they still have hope. And when once people see Jordan Love, then they're gonna. And he was saying Mitch Trubisky, he got more valuable sitting out a year, and it's so true. Like yeah. nobody saw him for a year, and they're like, you know what? He had some potential, and it's like <laughs> he like he got more money coming off a year where he did not play at all. <laughs> And a season where he was a full-time starter. Like, that makes no sense when you think about it. Right. But it's the Kevin Knox effect. Right. That's what it is. Somebody's not playing. They must be awesome. They must be good. Yeah. What? Yeah. Why would you think that? And the coach must be an idiot for not playing him. Yeah. And, I mean, it is like, I, you know, I don't put no stock in plus-minus data and on-off splits, I think, tell you things. But, like, come on, you know, Deuce McBride, like, you cannot tell me that that, that those splits are not flukish and the result of, he's like, games where he has, like, one point, one rebound, you know, but he's plus 13. It's like, what, his defense was just, like, what, is he Draymond Green? Maybe he is. Maybe he is. But, like, come on. Come on. 
Yeah. And like, if he's a good defender, Tibbs probably likes him. Just because Tibbs doesn't play him all the time doesn't mean Tibbs right. doesn't like him or doesn't like young players or whatever. And he probably believes in him. He's probably just not ready to make him the starting point guard. Yeah. I don't know. I did see that, like, you know, what's it, Macri, uh, the Knicks film school guy was, you know, I, I Alec Burks, I guess, had like the worst crunch time. Um what net rating of like any player that played a lot of minutes and he was particularly bad down the stretch of games his shooting really plummeted um you know and that's definitely compelling so i you know i don't take i don't think there's no point to be made that that tibbs maybe in crunch you know in situations misused alec burks whatever i mean but on the other hand alec burks came on the same way everybody else did um down the stretch and he played much better um the last month of the season and and you know that that seems to bear in mind every, you know the whole team suddenly play, you know and then so i don't know like i think there's a lot of context in those numbers that it's hard to evaluate i, I think people the way they use them um loses that and I, I totally agree and i think also and I, you know i guess tibbs doesn't necessarily help himself by not doing a better job of explaining himself but i mean also nobody does that so he's obviously not going to do it but i mean what do people think do they think that there's not a lot of thought going into alec burke's playing do they just think tibbs is just like eh, i hit kids alec in the game like do serious people who cover and tweet about the nba think that tom thibodeau is intentionally not playing the lineup that he thinks give them gives them the best chance to win and it's just like i don't like kids Burks. right right i don't like these twi- these punks on twitter where i'm not spending any of my time anyway right <laughs> like i don't know why exactly tibbs feels that way despite what the numbers are or whatever and maybe it's not too complicated maybe it is just he trusts them or whatever but it's not as though it's just a casual thing or a lazy thing or he just you know he can't trouble himself to consider a different lineup like he's trying to win games yeah yeah and i mean i just think at the end of the day like you know i i think if you're gonna criticize him for all of these things like he you can't ignore the development that you saw with all of these young players and i don't i don't really see an unwillingness to play them when they're playing well and i think he's i think i really trust him if we have a good team next year I, I don't know. I don't get the Tibbs anger, and I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I mean, it's really fascinating to see what they do with guys like Alec Burks and Noel and Derrick Rose. Like, are they going to be on the roster next year? Is it going to be a totally youth movement, or is it going to be a mix and match? Um, I just have no sense. That's, I mean, that, I guess that is that maybe that's a byproduct of the fact that we just never hear from Leon Rose <laughs> because I have no idea what they're thinking or what they're going to do, and I can't get any feel for it. And there's so many options. Right, and can can some of the Knicks beat get a couple of sources for crying out loud rather than just, like, trashing <laughs> tips all the time? Like, can you guys read on this? Where right. are we headed? Did somebody take Alan Houston out to dinner, for Christ's sake? <laughs> hey, are you hearing anything? <laughs> hey, I know. What's, what are they going to do? God. 
God Almighty. Right. So many options. So many options. I guess we, it's going to – when's the lottery? I think that's the first domino to fall. Where yeah, it, isn't there, it? The Knicks have a top five pick or are they back in 11 or something? Because that will make a big difference, I think. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you know, look, whatever. I'm excited. We Who knows what we're going to do? I think we're going to do – I don't know. We, there's a lot of avenues to happiness, which is also just unusual in a Knicks offseason. That's true. That's true. There's paths forward, which yeah. is a win in and of itself. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of paths forward, we got about 10 minutes left here. Oh, my God. What are the – if it, like, what have you seen in mock drafts that the Giants are – you know, that the things are the Giants are doing that you've liked so far? I mean, it seems like pretty good, right? I guess everybody seems to feel like we're going to get a big-time tackle and a and a exciting defensive prospect, or we're going to trade one of those top seven picks for a future first-rounder, all of which sounds pretty good, I guess. Um, I don't know. Don't you feel like – the Giants, I mean, shouldn't the Giants just be focused on next year's draft? You got two awesome quarterbacks, maybe more than that, maybe multiple really exciting quarterback prospects, it seems like. Shouldn't they be thinking, shouldn't that just be all their focus is, is like getting in <laughs> into that mix? Like maybe they should be thinking of trading out of one of those top 10 picks. I don't know. So the idea being that they trade out of, you know, because doesn't that just seem really risky? Like, all right, so you trade one of these picks and now you have two first rounders next year, right? And we're bad next year. So let's say we're a top 10 pick. And then, I, you know, I don't know. It depends on who we trade with, right? What if they're really good and they're a high first round pick? Is that plus anyone we got enough to get us CJ Stroud? depending on who's then in position because we would also have to count on if we don't get the first pick whoever does get either the first or the second pick not needing a quarterback right i mean it puts you in position and there's two guys who are top guys and you could do it in a way where you still make two first round selections this year so you still add two good players because you're going to trade it you know, you're going to trade it for this that team's first-round pick this right. year. You're still right. adding two really quality players this year. And worst-case scenario, if you're not in position to get those quarterbacks, fine. you still got two first-round picks. You take two really good players, and then you figure out how to get the quarterback. But at least you've given yourself the, ulti- the, you know, the best possible chance at being in position to get one of these guys. Like... It just feels like, I don't know, maybe this is hypocritical of me because I've been as big a booster of him as anybody, but it just feels like I can't believe we're spending another year in Daniel Jones limbo. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, 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 I have no problem even if you want him to be the quarterback, if like to be the quarterback this year, I guess. Like, I can sort of understand the rationale for that. Just mentally, though, that the franchise, the fact that that mentally they're still there, like it's one thing for him to just happen to be the human being who's going to be the chum in the water this year to just get them through the season. 
you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in yeah. their headspace, like, you guys are still in, like, maybe it's Daniel Jones mode. Like, really? Right. <laughs> and it, even if... Right, because it's not Daniel Jones. It's even not Daniel Jones. <laughs> right. Even if it is Daniel Jones, which it isn't, but even if it is, whatever he is, it's it's not gonna be worth the franchise tag hit you're gonna take on the guy if you want to keep him now. I mean, I I think Daniel Jones is talented. If you think there's a universe where at the end of this year, you're going to be willing to spend like two hundred million dollars on like if you think he's going to play that well this season, <laughs> like, come on, right? What are you what talking universe? about? I just think it's funny that two Giants off seasons in a row. We've now this is now the third. We're entering the third Giants off season of this podcast existing, and the 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 last two off seasons, we have talked about how the worst outcome possible is another year of Daniel Jones uncertainty, right? And it's happened every time. But that's what I mean. I feel like last year we got you know it's like to me it's not uncertain anymore we got an answer like no you know (laughs) well he was was awful (laughs) right he was god awful he was terrible and then he got hurt which what what's what else is there to say you know it would go a long way with me for john mara as he seeks my approval is if he could just admit that one of the handicaps that they gave Daniel Jones was Jason Garrett. If he can actually say it, name it, say it out loud. Like all the, you know, he perfectly fine to make excuses for Daniel Jones. Never specific, just like we, you know, we haven't really helped this guy. Well, how have you not helped him? What are some specific decisions that have not helped him? Is one of them Jason Garrett? The answer is yes. Because he's out of the NFL now. He lost his job with you, and no one else, no one wanted right. him for fact, anything. He didn't get the Duke job, right? Or, or what was right. he for? Was yeah, Duke. Yeah. yeah. Right. We were like, no thanks. We can yeah. better. Right. We don't, right. Duke football was like, nah. Nah. Well, we can do better than this. <laughs> I don't even know who they hired. Who they right. hired. I don't either. Who cares? Who cares better than Jason Garrett? <laughs> More exciting than Jason right. Garrett. Who's now calling games in the USFL? Right. I don't know. I just, uh, it would make me feel better if if I felt that sense from the franchise that, um, that they were going to go through with the Daniel Jones thing. <laughs> right. But, but that they mentally understood that it, it's basically a holding pattern. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It's ridiculous. I guess the hope is maybe, you know, look, they could come out of there with like five good players. And I guess, you know, that's the, that's possible. I mean, we're going to get an offensive tackle. Right. Now you have maybe two good tackles. Yep. You have two good tackles, you know. Which would, would mean that maybe you actually have a good offensive line. <laughs> right, good. You know, we've done some things. The center's draft stock is plummeting. Maybe he's oh, there yeah. for us in the second round. Right. You know. So then maybe Saquon Barkley is good. I'm and still. Daniel Jones yeah. as well. And the defense is okay. 
I almost have a bigger problem with Saquon still being on the team at this point than Daniel Jones. Right. At right. least I mean, like it's the same thing, but you're right. Yeah. yeah. But you need an answer at quarterback. You need somebody to play quarterback for your team. Right. And we got Daniel Jones and there's nobody better currently. Like you don't want to take with either of these picks, one of the quarterbacks in this draft. So I don't want them to do that. So it almost makes sense that Daniel Jones is still here. It's annoying that they're calling it this next, like another chance or however they're selling it. That's annoying. But I get why he's on the team. Like Saquon, just get out of here. Just, you know, you got to go right along with the Dave Gettleman era. Yeah. He's only here because they can't face the music on. He was the number two overall pick. Right. That's like the only reason he's still on the team. Right. And that they need to face the music. That's the thing. They still, as much as they have too, it's still, they haven't faced the music enough. Right. Right. I know. Right. Even the things they do, they, they, they manage to do it in a way that still allows them to stay in their little comfort zones. Yep. And, and, and it suddenly feels like not that much has changed. Like, I, I don't know. I, I hope to be more excited post-draft. I think it's possible. Right now, I'm still, I'm still in disgust mode with the Giants. That's, yeah, I can't fault you for that. I'm, in fact, I'm just impressed that you're optimistic about how you could feel after the draft. I mean, I guess I'll get. Maybe it's possible we'll feel a little better, but I'm not excited about them. Uh, yeah, I get it. I don't know. I. I... I don't know if I'm naive. I have confidence in Shane and Dable. But then I was a Joe Judge defender until it was too late. So right. what the hell do I know? You know, I have a terrible. Yeah, it was awful. It was terrible. <laughs> I mean, just a total disgrace. <laughs> he did terrible. He was awful. Joe Judge. What a clown when you really think back on it. <laughs> I know. I mean, whatever. I'm sure he's a good guy. He worked really hard. I know yeah. it's hard. I know it's a hard job. Yeah. But man, he did terrible. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, Just couldn't keep it together. Yeah. Like, he didn't do well. No. No. All right, Brian. All righty. Another one. On that. Yes. All right, listeners. RadioFreeBrooklyn.org.